When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Welcome back to Mutual Presents. I'm Jack Ward, and I'm right here with my familiar, Penny the Cat. If the spooky music is any hint, we're back with some Tuesday terror features. And this time, it's the incredible series, The Mysterious Traveler. This series began on Mutual from 1943 and continued to September of 1952. So let's start the show with a double feature of The House of Death and The Good Die Young. So, wind back your clocks for terror. The Mysterious Traveler. This is the mysterious traveler, inviting you to join him on another journey into the realm of the strange and terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves. I hope it's not making you nervous, being alone with me here in the dark. Darkness stirs strange terrors in some minds, particularly those of children. For children live in a world of their own, a world far removed from that of adults. Who among us knows the psychology of the child mind with its devious thoughts and actions, as in the tale of The Good Die Young? Years ago, when I was practicing medicine, I brought a child into the world, a girl who was named Sandra. In the years that followed, she grew into an extremely beautiful and clever child. But my story begins the day that Martha, the housekeeper, was finishing her duties for the last time. Sandra, come in here. I want to see you. Sandra! Were you calling me, Martha? Yes. I told you to come right home after school. Where have you been? Oh, I'm sorry, Martha. I didn't hear you tell me to come home right after school. I'm sorry. Truly, I am. Save your acting for your father, young lady. It hasn't fooled me for a long time. Sandra, since your mother died, you're becoming more and more of a problem every day. Well, at least after tonight, I won't have to put up with your lies and your thousand and one little tricks. What do you mean, Martha? Your father won't be needing a housekeeper anymore. I'm leaving tonight. But why? Well, I'm not supposed to tell you. But you may as well know now as later. Your father is bringing home a new mother for you tonight. A new mother? Yes. He's just married again. But I don't want a new mother. Daddy and I don't need anyone else. We're happy the way we are. Sandra, stop screaming. I won't have it. Do you hear? I won't have it. Your new mother's a very fine woman. I met her last night. I hate her. I hate her. Daddy's mine and no one else's. She hasn't any right to him. If you don't stop that screaming, I'll tell your father when he comes home tonight. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. I, I'll be good. But I hate her and I always will. I'll never stop hating her. That's a fine way to talk. Perhaps I ought to warn the poor woman about Sandra. Well, then it's none of my business. Besides, she'll find out about her soon enough. <laughs> Thank you. 
Stephen, it's ridiculous you're carrying me across the threshold. All right, darling. It's tradition in my family to carry the bride over the threshold. <laughs> there you are. Oh, oh. oh Stephen, what a lovely house. Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't seen the best part of it yet. Sandra. Do you think she'll like me, Stephen? I do so want her to. Of course she will. Perhaps you should have told her about us instead of breaking it to her so unexpectedly like oh, this. Oh, nonsense, Helen. I know my daughter. She's a wonderful child. And she'll fall madly in love with you at the first sight, just as her father did. <laughs> Sandra, where are you? Daddy. Daddy, you're home early. Oh, I'm so glad. How are you, darling? Oh, Daddy. <laughs> um, I have a surprise for you. A surprise? Mm-hmm. Sandra, this is Helen. Helen, I want you to meet my daughter, Sandra. Hello, Sandra. Hello. Darling, the uh, surprise I just mentioned is Helen. We were married this afternoon. That means that Helen is now your mother. Oh, Daddy, that's wonderful. Now I'll have a mother just like all the other girls do. Oh, I'm so glad. So am I, Sandra. And I'm sure we're all going to be very happy together. Of course we are. That night, after the family had said goodbye to Martha and seen her off, Sandra was sent to bed. She lay quietly in the darkness, thinking. Occasionally, she would speak softly to her doll, Barbara. She hasn't any right being here, Barbara. Daddy and I were perfectly happy until she came along. Tonight, he didn't even notice me. Just kept looking at her. Well, she shan't have him. He's always been mine, and he always will be. afternoon, I've asked you not to pound the keys that way. That's no way to play. I'm sorry, Mother. It's not only the piano, dear. There are many other little things. You pay no attention when I speak to you about them. I don't mean to do them, Mother. I just forget. Well, please try to remember, dear. Now, I want you to play the piano as you did last night for Daddy. He was very pleased. Yes, Mother. I thought I asked you to stop pounding the piano like that. But, Mother, I was just composing a new piece for Daddy. That wasn't music, Sandra, but just noise. That'll be enough for today. Hello, beautiful. How are you, darling? Uh Well, I wasn't sent at the door to meet me. She's all right, isn't she? Oh, of course, dear. Uh, Stephen. Hmm? I was a bit angry with Sandra this afternoon. Angry with Sandra? Why, what'd she do? Well, several times this afternoon, I had to speak to her about pounding the piano, being loud and discordant. Well, that isn't like Sandra. You know how well she plays. Yes, of course. That wasn't the way she played today. Well, I'll go up and see her. All right. Uh, supper will be ready soon. All right, Helen. <laughs> well, Sandra, what's this? <laughs> oh, Daddy, Daddy. Well, what's wrong? <laughs> you never cry. Trying to compose a new piece for your birthday next month. A new piece for my birthday? <laughs> yes. I wanted to surprise you. Oh, there, there, dear. You mustn't cry. I'm sure Mother understands you didn't mean to be bad. Now, here, let me wipe your tears. Oh, Daddy, I love you so. I just wanted to compose something wonderful for you. I understand, darling. Oh, Daddy, you always understand. 
Is supper ready to do? Mm-hmm. Where's Sandra? She'll be down in a minute. Helen. Yes, Stephen? She really didn't mean to pound on the piano and get on your nerves. Just she was trying to compose a new piece for me. But, Stephen, it wasn't music. It was just noise. Well, you mustn't be harsh with her. You know what children are like in their enthusiasm. They forget what they're told. But, Stephen... I don't know exactly what to say. It's just a question of being patient with her. Winning her love. All right, Stephen. Perhaps I was a bit impatient with her. You know I want nothing more than for the three of us to be happy together. I know that, darling. And the three of us will be happy together. In the weeks that followed, Helen tried to overlook Sandra's slamming of doors, constant droppings of objects, and other nerve-wracking incidents. In time, she felt, Sandra would come to accept her love and guidance. It was just a matter of patience. Sandra, is that you? Yes, Mother. Please sit down, dear. I want to talk to you. All right, but do hurry. Daddy will be home soon. Sandra, every day I've been giving you milk money for school. Why haven't you been buying milk with that money? But I have been, Mother. Now, please, Sandra, I won't punish you. I just want to know what you've been doing with that money. I've been buying milk with it. Please, Sandra. Mrs. Gordon, your teacher, told me you haven't bought milk for almost a month now. But I have. She just doesn't Sandra, have to... I won't have you lying to me. Now, that's your father. We'll see what he has to say about this. <laughs> you don't understand. You just don't understand. Stephen? Hello, darling. <laughs> oh. Sandra, what are you crying about? I'm sorry, Stephen, but Sandra's been misbehaving. Mm -hmm. I think you'd better speak to her. You just don't understand. What's she done, Helen? <laughs> Mrs. Gordon, her teacher, told me today that for the past month, Sandra hasn't been buying milk with her milk money. Is that true, Sandra? And what's worse, Stephen, when I asked Sandra about it, she lied and said that she had been buying milk at school. Why, Sandra, it isn't like you to lie about things. I didn't mean to lie about it. I just wanted to keep it a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. You're... Your birthday present. Oh? I, I saved my milk money so that I could buy you a pipe. It's here in this box. But Sandra, you know I'd have given you money to buy a birthday present for Daddy. It isn't the same thing. I wanted to buy him a present with my own money. Oh, I'm sorry, Sandra. Oh, you might have told me about it when I asked you. And then it wouldn't have been a real surprise. I did want to surprise Daddy, so... But you have, darling. This is a beautiful pipe. No. The surprise is spoiled. Your birthday isn't till tomorrow. Well, this is much better, darling. It means I'll be able to smoke this pipe tonight. <laughs> oh, now, please stop crying. You go upstairs and wash your face and hands, huh? Uh, all right, Daddy. I'm sorry, Stephen. But I had no idea what she'd done with the money. And she did lie when I asked her about it. Well, if you'd only have a little more faith in her, Helen. I know it's difficult to understand her at times, but that's because as a child she looks at things differently. I'm sorry, Stephen, if you think I've failed with her. Oh, but you haven't, Helen. I'm sure that in time she'll come to love you as much as she loves me. I don't know, Stephen. I often wonder about that. As the weeks went by... Helen found herself coming no closer to winning Sandra's confidence. It wasn't that Sandra was unfriendly, but there was an air of reserve about her, which vanished only in her father's presence. Helen felt Stephen watching her anxiously when Sandra was about and sought to reassure him. Her one thought was to preserve their happiness. Hello, Helen. Hello, dear. Well, what happened to that vase, dear? Sandra broke it. Oh? Well, accidents will happen. Stephen, this is the fourth piece she's broken in two weeks. And each of them were pieces I've treasured and had for years. Well, Helen, you sound as though Sandra deliberately broken those vases because they were yours. Well, why is it that only my things are broken? Oh, Helen, surely you don't believe she's deliberately breaking your things. I don't know what to believe. The first few times I thought it was an accident, but now... But, Helen... Oh, 
Please, Stephen, let's not quarrel. Perhaps I'm wrong. I admit I haven't any proof. It's, it's just all the little things adding up. Helen, what are you talking about? Oh, you wouldn't understand even if I told you. Where's Sandra? In her room, I suppose. Well, I'll go up and see what she's doing. Huh? All right. Sandra, it's Daddy. Are you in your room? It's yeah, funny. She isn't here. Hello, what's this? A note addressed to me. Dear Daddy, I'm sorry about the broken vase. Tried my best to be a good girl, but everything I do seems wrong. I make Mother very unhappy, so I'm running away. I love you very much and always will. Your daughter, Sandra. After searching vainly for an hour in the dark and cold, Stephen returned and notified the police. All through the long hours of the night, he and Helen sat up, not saying a word, each afraid to speak. The fear of what might be said. As the first rays of dawn showed, the doorbell rang. Stephen rushed to answer it. Mr. Hammond? Sandra. Oh, Daddy, Daddy. Darling, darling, everything's all right now. I'm the police patron from the 55th Street Station, Mr. Hamilton. One of the officers on the force just found her. Thank you. Thank you very much for bringing her home. Oh, that's all right, Mr. Hamilton. It's our job. Goodbye. Goodbye. There, 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 dear. Don't cry. Oh, Daddy, it was so dark out there. And I thought I'd never see you again. What a thing to say. How do you feel, Sandra? Do you want me to take her, Stephen, and put her to bed? No, I'll, I'll do it, Helen. All right, Stephen. Just as you say. Is she all right, Stephen? Mm -hmm. She just fell asleep. I hope her being out all night won't have any after effects. Stephen... You feel I'm to blame for her running away, don't you? Of course not, Helen. It's just that... Well, you, you don't seem to understand her. But, Stephen, I've tried so hard. Oh, it's no use. She doesn't want me here, never has. Helen, how can you talk like that? Why, she was delighted the day I brought you here as my wife. Yes, I thought she was in the beginning. But now I know she was just pretending. Pretending? Yes, Stephen. From the first moment she saw me, she resented me. She feels I've come between you, taken her place in your affection. Oh, Helen, how can you say such a thing? It's true, I tell you. She sees me as a rival for your love. You're just imagining all that. I'm not, I tell you. Oh, it's no use, Steve. We can't go on this way. What do you mean? Don't you see? We aren't happy anymore. Instead of things improving, they get worse. Perhaps it would be best if we were to separate. Helen, Helen, I won't hear of it. I love you, darling. I wouldn't want to live without you. Whatever misunderstandings we may have about Sandra, I'm, I'm sure we can straighten them out. I don't know, Stephen. If you love me, Helen, you won't give up so easily. Please, say you won't leave. All right, Stephen. I won't leave. Perhaps we will be able to work this out. I hope so. Sandra? Sandra? You awake, darling? Yes, Daddy. Sandra, Mother and I were very upset when you ran away last night. Mother seems to think you ran away because you, you couldn't get along with her. She felt so badly about it, she wanted to go away. She did? Yes. But I told her how much we both loved and needed her. So she's promised to stay. Oh. I see. Sandra, you will try to be a good girl and do as Mother wants, won't you? It would make Daddy very happy. Oh, Daddy, I'd do anything to make you happy, anything. That's a good girl, darling. Now, you get up and get dressed, huh? I'll wait for you downstairs. All right, Daddy. He just doesn't understand. He should have let her go, but she's still here. And she's going to stay. I won't have it. I won't have it. I hate her. I hate her. <laughs> 
week in which Sandra's behavior pleased Helen no end. At last, it seemed they were going to be the happy family she had always dreamed they would be. Helen! Yes, dear? Will you bring my coat with you when you come downstairs? Sandra and I are going for a walk. All right, Stephen. I'll get it and be right down. Daddy, can we walk down to the river? Oh, we won't have enough time for that, Sandra. Stephen? Hmm? I have your coat, but I can't find your scarf. Oh, the scarf's down here, Helen. Just bring the coat. Oh, all right. Stephen, I hope... <laughs> Helen! Helen! Helen. Helen, are you all right? Helen, speak to me. Daddy, is... is she dead? No, Sandra, don't talk like that. Quick, phone Dr. Smith at once. I arrived at the Hamilton home to find Helen suffering from shock, but otherwise unhurt. I was somewhat disturbed, however, to find her very nervous and run down. She'll be all right, won't she, Doctor? Yes, of course. I'm going to leave you a prescription, Mrs. Hamilton. It's something that will help quiet your nerves. You ought to take it twice a day. Ah, here's the prescription, Mr. Hamilton. Thank you, Doctor. I'll have it filled at once. Well, Sandra, how are you? You've been so quiet, I hardly knew you were here. I'm fine, thank you. You're... You're growing up to be quite a young lady. Are you still troubled by nightmares? Yes, she still has them once in a while. No, it's just her nerves. Uh, if she continues to have them, you might give her some of the medicine I've prescribed for your wife. Well, I must be leaving. Goodbye, Mrs. Hamilton, and uh, stay in bed a few days. I will, Doctor. Goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye. Doctor. Well, darling, you gave us quite a scare. Yes, I... I slipped on something on the top step. Hmm. You must have slipped on the marble, dear. I found seven or eight of them on the top step. Uh, marble? Sandra, were they your marbles? No, Mother. They belonged to Margie. She must have left them on the stairs when we were playing here. Oh, I see. It wasn't my fault. Truly, it wasn't. Of course it wasn't, Sandra. <laughs> Mother knows you wouldn't leave marbles lying around where she could slip on them. Isn't that so, Ellen? Yes, Stephen. I'm sure Sandra wouldn't want anything to happen to me. Sandra, will you come into Mother's room a moment, please? Yes, Mother. The medicine that Dr. Smith prescribed for me is in the bathroom. Will you get it for me, please? All right, Mother. You'll find it in the medicine chest. It's in a blue bottle. Yes, I know what it looks like. Oh, here it is. That's fine, Sandra. Just bring it to me. Here you are, Mother. Thank you, dear. Oh, Sandra, this isn't the medicine that Dr. Smith prescribed for me. Didn't you read the label? This bottle has poison in it. Poison? Well, yes. It's right here in red letters on the label. Oh, I'm sorry, but this bottle is blue, too. It looks just like the one with your medicine. Yes, it does at that. Now, I'll put this bottle of poison back and get me my medicine. Yes, Mother. I'll have to get rid of that poison. It's too dangerous to keep in the medicine chest. Would have been awful if you took the poison, wouldn't it, Mother? Or you might have died. <laughs> See what Mother wants. What is it, Helen? Stephen, hmm? Dr. Smith said that if she had a nightmare, some of the medicine he prescribed for me would help her. Well, Sandra doesn't like taking medicine. But this medicine's very easy to take, and it'll have her asleep in no time. Well, if you think it's best. Yes, I'm sure it is. Now, you go back to Sandra while I get the medicine and a glass. All right, Helen. Now, Sandra, you must stop your crying. Daddy's here. Daddy, I want you to stay with me. Of course I'll stay with you. What were you dreaming about, dear? I, I don't know. It was all so mixed up. Oh, Daddy, will you always love me? 
more than anybody else in the world. Of course. Now, stop your crying. Honey. All right, Stephen, I have it. Now, if you just have Sandra sit up. Come on, darling. Sit up now. That's it. What's Mother doing? She's pouring you some medicine. It'll help you sleep, darling. Medicine? Yes. It's the same medicine Mother takes for her own nerves. No! No, I don't want it! Now, please, Sandra. It'll make you feel much better. No, don't come near me. I don't want but it. Sandra, Mother takes it twice a day. There's nothing to no, it. No, I won't take it. I won't! Perhaps you'd better let it go, Helen. Nonsense, Stephen. She'll have us up all night if she doesn't take it. Oh. Now, Sandra, stop being a baby and take this medicine. No, Daddy, don't let her make me take it. Don't let her! Sandra, are you going to let me give you this quietly, or do I have to make you take it? No, no, it'll kill me. I know it will. Here, let me hold your head. That's it. No. Now, Sandra, stop clenching your teeth. Open your mouth, do you hear? Daddy, don't let her there, you've taken it. All this fuss over nothing. Helen, she's talking. Daddy, Daddy, it burns. Sandra, what's wrong? It's burning me. Daddy, help me. Help me, I can't breathe. Helen, quick, call Dr. Smith. Tell him it's an emergency. Stephen, here's Dr. Smith. Let me see her. She's been unconscious for ten minutes now. Doctor, you must do something. I'm afraid it's too late, Mr. Hamilton. She's dead. Oh, no. No, she can't be. I'm sorry. But how can she be? We only gave her the medicine you prescribed for Helen. Yes, here it is. Let me see it. But this medicine wouldn't kill her. It's only a nerve tonic. You can see... Doctor, what is it? Why, this is the bottle, all right. But the medicine in it isn't the medicine I prescribed. But it is. I took some of it last night. I assure you, this isn't the medicine I prescribed. Then what is in that bottle? It smells like carbolic acid. Carbolic acid? But that's impossible. Look at the label. You can see it's my medicine. Yes, the label's right. But someone poured out the medicine I prescribed and replaced it with carbolic acid. Oh, no. But why? Why should anyone want to do such a thing? Who could possibly want to kill Sandra? Everyone loved her. Ask Helen. She'll tell you that Sandra... Stephen, why are you looking at me like that? Surely you don't believe I poisoned her. Stephen, no. No! This is the mysterious traveler again. Have you enjoyed our little trip? Uh, by the way, do you have a child in your home? If so, I do trust it isn't angry with you. You can't be too careful with children. Why, I recall another child who, after being punished by his parents, took a razor and... Oh, you're getting off at the next stop. I'm sorry. Perhaps you'll join me again soon. I take this same train every week at the same time. You've just heard Chapter 13 of The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and unusual brought to you each week by Station WOR. In tonight's program, The Good Die Young, Betty Jane Tyler played Sandra. The Mysterious Traveler, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is directed by Jock McGregor. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. Listen next week to a tale titled Design for Death. Another tale of the mysterious traveler. The mysterious traveler is presented by WOR Mutual every Sunday at 7 over most of these stations. This is Mutual.
Mysterious Traveler. Another journey into the realm of the strange and terrifying. I hope you will enjoy the trip, that it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. So settle back, get a good grip on your nerves. Where are we going? You'll find out when we get there. I hope it's not making you nervous being alone with me here in the dark. Darkness stirs strange terrors in some minds. For the things that happen at night are sometimes most upsetting. Things such as cats that vanish or die, as in the tale of The House of Death. Living out in the country this way, Louise. We're so isolated from everyone. Yes, Martha. It was much nicer when we lived in our own house in the village. Even if Roger and Hester are our nephew and niece, we should never have let them persuade us to move out here with them. Mm. Oh, doesn't that wind ever stop blowing? Oh, Martha, Roger and Hester are coming. I, I, I just saw the car turn into the drive. Well, I hope they've brought a maid. What's the matter with Toby and Queenie? Oh, mother's little darling's hungry. Mm. Even Toby and Queenie don't like living here. Yes, they, they do seem unhappy. But Toby hasn't been eating well at all. Oh, Louise is very foolish out living here with Roger and Hester. I think we should move back to our house in the village where we can really be happy. Oh, Martha, could we? I see no reason why we can't. So much nonsense about our being invalids and too old to live alone. Hello, Aunt Martha. Aunt Louise. Oh, Roger. Were you able to get a maid for it? Oh, I'm sorry about that, Aunt Louise. I tried, but it's just impossible to get a maid these days. Roger, you know we need someone to push Louise around in her wheelchair. Too much for me. Well, I'm sure Hester will do anything you ask. How are you, Aunt Louise? Aunt Martha. I brought you some good hot tea and some biscuits. Thank you, dear. Uh, Roger, Louise and I have been talking things over. Now, it is very kind of Hester and you to invite us to live with you, but we were much happier living in the village and would like to go back to our house. What? But, Aunt Martha, it's much better for you here. Why, of course. You're homesick, that's all. Why, certainly. In time, you'll come to love this place as we do. Now, we don't want to hear another word about your leaving. We couldn't be happy thinking of the two of you living alone in that house in the village. Come along, Roger. Let them drink their tea. Yes, Hester. Well, see you both later. They're really so good to us, Martha. But I, I do wish they'd let us return to our own house. Tea mm. tastes strange. Hmm? You tried it, Jeff Louise? No. Well, yes, you're right. It, it, it does taste funny. Probably the water they use. Nothing out here seems as good as it was home. You better not drink any more of it. Oh, do you remember the little teas we used to give when we lived in the village? Mary Thompson came over every afternoon. It was so nice. Mm, there's no reason why we can't move back to our house and have those teas again. But you heard what Roger and Hester said. Our health isn't so good and we need someone to look after us. Well, what of it? All that money Father left us, we can afford a dozen servants. Yes, Louise, I think we'd better plan to return home. The mail car in sight, Louise? No, Martha, not yet. You know, I've been thinking quite a bit these past 24 hours about returning home, and I think we'll leave here in a few days. Oh, Martha, that would be wonderful. Oh, look, here comes George Gibson now with the mail. Oh, and that time, too. Yes, uh, uh, how would fat Toby and beautiful Queenie like to go back to their own little home? Oh, Martha, they understand perfectly what you're saying. Look how happy they are. Good they do. Hello, Aunt Martha. Oh. Aunt Louise. George Gibson just delivered the Sentinel. Oh, Here thank, you are. Thank you, Roger. We've been waiting all day for you. Oh, that's all right, Aunt Louise. Hester will soon bring you your supper. Uh, now, let's see. Oh, Martha... 
Let's look at the obituary notices first. That's just what I was turning to, Louise. <sighs> ah, here we are. Did anybody we know die? Now, let me see. Oh, yes, yes. yes. You remember Amos Wilson, don't you? Yes. He died two days ago. Poor Amos. He was about your age, wasn't he, Martha? Certainly not. He was a good deal older. <gasps> Martha, look at this. Hmm? Why, it says that Mary Thompson is entering the home for the infirm. The poor house? Oh, no, it can't be. Oh, the dreadful place. I'd sooner be dead than in that home. Poor Mary. Oh, I shudder every time I think of that horrible place. The poor house. Martha, after we move back to the village, can't we have Mary come to live with us? Yes, of course. Going to the poor house would be the death of her. Oh. Huh? Louise, what are you staring at in this paper? No. No, it can't be. What can't be? Read what it says in the real estate column. Huh? The old Abbott mansion, owned by the Mrs. Martha and Louise Abbott, has been put up for sale by their nephew, Roger Abbott. What? We never told Roger to sell our house. I wouldn't dream of it. Why, Martha, it's been in the family for almost a century. How could Roger do such a thing? I'll soon find out. Roger. Roger. Now, Martha, you, you mustn't get excited. But why should he want to sell our house? Are you calling me up, Martha? Yes, Roger. What's this in the Sentinel about our house being for sale? Oh, is it in the Sentinel? Oh, I'm sorry. It is a mistake, isn't it, Roger? No, Aunt Louise. You see, as co-trustee of Grandfather's estate, I thought it would be a good idea to sell the house. Prices are high these days, and the house is rather old. But you have no right to put the house up for sale without telling me. I won't hear of the house being sold. You mustn't get excited, Aunt Martha. If you don't want the house sold, I'll remove it from the market. Oh, please do. We couldn't live in the house if it was sold, could we, Louise? All right, all right. I'll take care of everything. Everything's going to be all right now. I don't like it, Louise. I don't like it at all. Why did he try to sell it without telling us? It it does seem strange. Louise, we must get in touch with Judge Smith. Yes. He's the administrator of Father's estate. And he'll take care of everything for us in the way we want it. It isn't that I don't trust Roger, but you must recall the scrapes he was in when he attended college. Then there was the matter of that bad check Roger gave. It hadn't been for his dear Shh. father. He was... Someone's coming, Martha. I have your supper for you. Now, please eat them before they get cold. Yes, Chester. There you are. Just call me if there's anything else you want. Does Mother's beautiful queenie want something to eat? I don't see Toby any place around. Well, he's probably in the kitchen. Now, say pretty please, Queenie, and Mother give you this nice piece of meat. <laughs> That's Mother's darling. Here you are. Oh, isn't she lovely, Louise? Oh, yes. Queenie has such wonderful manners. Uh, we'd better eat our soup before it gets cold, Martha. Yes. And as I was saying, Louise, I don't care for Roger's attitude at all. Ask me, he's been behaving very strangely. Yes, Martha. Martha. Hmm? Martha, that, that piece of meat you gave Queenie doesn't seem to have agreed with her. She looks ill. Oh, yes, you're right. Oh, Queenie, what's the matter with Mother's little oh, darling? Martha, she's in agony. Yes. What can we do? Oh, Roger, Roger, come quickly. Oh, poor Queenie. Roger. She's suffering so hard, Martha. Oh, Roger, do something. We must help poor Queenie. Oh, Roger, look. I'm afraid it's too late, Aunt Martha. She's dead. Dead? But... Things like this will happen, not Martha. She was old. She probably had cramps. Roger, you better take Queenie out of here. All right, dear. Poor Queenie. We've had her ever since she was a little kitten. Twelve years now. There, there, Aunt Louise. You mustn't cry. You still have Toby. Now, why don't you eat your supper? You'll feel much better if you do. Yes, sir. How can you speak of food at a time like this? With poor Queenie's body not even cold. I'm sorry, Aunt Martha. If you want me, just call. Martha, it won't be the same without Queenie. I simply can't understand it. 
One minute, Queenie was perfectly well. Then after you gave her the meat, she became ill. Yes, she was perfectly well until she ate the meat. Mm. Louise, the meat, that's it. Don't understand, Martha. The meat, it was poisoned. Poisoned? Louise, that poisoned meat was meant for us. Martha, you don't mean that Roger and Hester... Oh, no. Yes, no. Louise, they're after our money. Oh, what are we going to do? We, we, we can't get at the phone. Doctor, get in touch with Judge Smith. Oh. Our lives depend upon it. The two old ladies stared at each other, terror in their eyes. The minutes dragged into hours, and each hour was a nightmare as they waited for the time to come when they could make the one contact between themselves and the outside world. Do you see George Gibson's car yet, Martha? No, Louise, but he should be in sight any minute now. Oh, what if Hester or Roger come home before he gets here? Then we won't be able to talk to him about our message to Judge Smith. Now, Louise, you know Roger isn't due home from work for another hour. Yes, yes, but what about Hester? She's over at the Miller's farm, and she's liable to return any minute. Louise, I see George Gibson's car. Oh. He's just turning oh, into hurry, the drive. Hurry, Martha, hurry, Martha, right, hurry. All right, Louise, I'll raise the window. Oh, Martha, Martha, call to him quick before he gets away. Uh, George? George Gibson? Hello? Who's calling? And uh, Look over this way, George. It's Martha Abbott. I want to see you. Oh, it's you, Martha. Howdy, Adam. Come in. He's coming, Louise. You hear? Yeah. Now we'll be able to get in touch with Judge Smith. But after George Gibson left the Abbott sisters, he met Hester a half mile up the road. The two conversed for a minute. Then George Gibson continued on his way. Hester stared after him as he drove away, her face tense and white. Then, as if suddenly understanding the implication of his words, she turned and ran towards her home, her heart pounding with fear. Roger! Roger, I just met George Gibson, and he told me that when he delivered the mail here, Aunt Martha and Aunt Louise called him into the house. Called him into the house? Yes, they asked him to get Judge Smith for them at once. I told you it wasn't safe to leave them alone, even with the phone locked in our room. All our plans may have been for nothing. Oh, Roger, do you think they suspect? I don't know. I do know it was a mistake letting them talk to George Gibson. After all our careful work, we can't let everything be spoiled now. Twenty-four hours have been endless. Where can George be? Probably delayed somewhere. Oh, Martha, Martha, there. George is coming. He just turned into the drive. I told you he wouldn't fail us. Oh, but Roger and Hester are in the house now. What if they don't let George see us? Nonsense. When George has a message to deliver, he delivers it. I've just, just gone out to get the mail, but... Louise. What is it, Martha? What's wrong? That isn't George Gibson driving the mail car. What? The man driving it's only a youngster... Now he's leaving. Martha, what does it mean? I don't know. I don't understand. Perhaps George is ill and he couldn't come today. Hello, I'm Martha Louise. This magazine just came in the mail. Thought you might like to see it. Thank you, Roger. Why didn't George Gibson deliver the mail? Oh, so you noticed there was a new driver today? Yes. I'm sorry to tell you this, but poor George Gibson was killed last night. Killed? Oh, no. He had an accident as he was returning to the village. An accident? Yes. I don't want to speak any more about it. It'll just upset you. Hester will bring you your supper soon. Oh, poor George. That means Judge Smith never got our message. Oh, Martha. Louise, don't you see? It wasn't an accident. But Roger said it was. George it? was deliberately killed to keep him from going to Judge Smith. <gasps> Martha, you don't mean that Roger and yes, Hester... Yes, he won't stop at anything to get our money. Oh, Martha, I'm so frightened. Oh, we must have courage or we're lost. Oh, but if we can't get word to the outside and, and they're poisoning our food. Well, we haven't eaten a thing since poor Queenie died. We can't go on throwing food away or we'll starve. There's only one thing to do, Louise, if we're not to starve. Toby, must sample our food before we eat it. You mean to, 
see if it's poisoned. Yes. Oh. oh, I know it's dreadful risking poor Toby's life like that. But it's the only thing to do. And meanwhile, we must get in touch with Judge Smith. We must. Toby, a nice piece of meat for mother's little darling. Uh, Martha? Why are you feeding Toby? He got plenty to eat in the kitchen. Of course. I've always fed Toby for my own plate. He expects it. But Aunt Martha, if you feed that meat to the cat, there won't be enough for you. Yes. If you're to get well, you need all that food. Now, I don't want you feeding Toby any more of it. Here, Toby. Come along, boy. Come on out to the kitchen while Aunt Martha and Louise eat their supper. What, Martha? Louise, I've brought you your lunch. Doesn't it look good? Yes, Hester, it's very nice. Lunch, eh? Here, Toby. Hester, have you seen Toby? No, Aunt Martha, I haven't. Oh, but where could he be? Toby's always on time for meals. He's probably someplace around the house. Oh. Now eat your lunch before it gets cold. Oh, Martha, where can he be? Toby will be along in a few minutes. We won't touch a bit of this food until he's tried it first. Oh, I do wish he were here. I'm so hungry. Louise, don't touch a thing on that tray. It isn't safe. Oh, here, Toby. Here, kitty, kitty, Good evening, Aunt Martha. Louise, how are you? Good evening, Roger. I have your supper here for you, too. Aunt Martha, neither of you ate your lunch. What's wrong? We... we weren't hungry, Hester. Have you found Toby yet? No. I've looked everywhere for him, but he seems to have disappeared. Oh, no. Now, you mustn't worry. I'm sure he'll turn up. Yes. Oh. Aunt Martha, you and Louise can't afford to miss meals in your state of health. Why, certainly not. Now, we want you to eat everything that Hester has brought you. Yes, you'll make us very unhappy if you don't. Now, eat it while it's hot. Come along, Roger. I'll get you your supper. All right, dear. Did you hear what she said about Toby Louise? Yes, he's vanished. Nonsense. They've killed him. You saw how angry they were last night when we fed Toby from our plates. They've killed him so he won't spoil their plans. Oh, Martha, what are we going to do? I'm so hungry. Got to get word to Judge Smith before it's too late. But how? Tomorrow... I'm going to go out to the road and try to get to the village. But, Martha, it's, it's two miles to the village, and you know you can't walk more than a few yards. You, you're not strong enough. Louise, with either starvation or poisoning staring us in the face, we haven't any choice. I must try to reach the village. <laughs> The next morning, after Roger had left for the village and Hester had gone to the Miller farm, Martha dressed as quickly as her shaking hands would permit. Louise watched nervously as her sister quietly opened the door and started on her long, painful way to the village. Hello, Aunt Louise. Oh, why, where's Aunt Martha? Aunt Martha, um, she's someplace around the house, but I've just been through the house. Why, her closet is open, and her hat and coat are missing. Aunt Louise, did Martha leave this house? Why, uh, why, yes, she, uh, she said she wanted to go for a walk. Go for a walk? At her age and in weather like this? Why, it'll be the death of her. Did she start out toward the village? Answer me! Yes, Hester. Telephone Roger at his office. She must be stopped! Twenty minutes later, as Roger drove along the road leading to his home, he saw a small figure in the distance. It was Aunt Martha. There was a weary, painful look on her face as she hobbled towards the village. In spite of her determined resistance, he put her in his car and drove rapidly on home. One thought was uppermost in his mind. He must make sure that this could never be repeated. 
Oh, Martha, I'm so hungry. Yes, Louise, I know. So am I. We've gone three days now without eating. We left them our money and our wills. Why must they kill us? They're nothing but common murderers. Oh, if there was only some way to get word to the village. Louise, I've got an idea. What is it, Martha? If we were to set fire to the house, they'd see it in the village. Yes. And then, then the fire company would come out. Then we'd be able to tell them we'd be saved. Oh, oh but Martha... Hester and Roger would put out the fire before it could get big enough. Louise, I know a way we can prevent them from putting out the fire. You do? Yes, and we can save ourselves, Louise. We can save ourselves. Here, Toby. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. But, Martha... Why are you looking down the cellar? You should be in your room. Yes, it's drafty out here in the hall. Now, come on, close the cellar door and go back to your room. But I heard Toby crying. He's down in the cellar, and I won't go to my room until I get but him. But Aunt Martha, Roger, he... just to put Aunt Martha's mind at ease, why don't you go down to the cellar and see if Toby is there? Oh, all right. If you ask me, it's just a waste of time. Oh, please help him look for Toby, Hester. You'll find him so much quicker if you both look for him. Oh, very well. But you go back to your room so you won't catch cold. Roger, do you see him? He doesn't seem to be any place here in the cellar. Now we'll see just how smart you are trying to poison us. There, you won't stop us from escaping now. Oh, I must get Louise. Louise! Louise! Yes, oh, Louise, it worked. Martha, you mean you you were able to lock them in the cellar? Yes, and with the door locked, they can't get out. Oh. And Martha, unlock this door. Let us go. Oh, they found out they're locked in. Don't you worry about it, Louise. I'll take care of everything. Oh, Martha. And Martha. Martha, what are you doing with that kerosene lamp? I'm pouring the kerosene around the room so that it'll burn better. Are you ready to leave, Louise? Yes, Martha. Strike a match and start the fire. It's starting to spray. Yes, we better leave. I'll push your wheelchair, Louise, and you try to help by rolling the wheels. Yes, Louise. There. Nicely coming along nicely. Oh, Martha, I hate to do this. Louise, you mustn't waste any pity on them. Even if they are our niece and nephew, they're nothing but common murderers. Yes, I suppose you're right. Now I'll just open the front door and we'll be free. Roll the wheels a bit, Louise. Yes, I am. Just a few feet more and we'll be safe. There. 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 Far enough away from the house to be perfectly safe. Oh, my. The whole house is on fire now. Yes. Lovely fire, isn't it? I don't feel cold at all. Oh, do you think they can see it in the village by now, Martha? I'm sure they do. Remember, Louise, when the fire company gets here, we don't know what happened to Roger and Hester. We just managed to get out ourselves. Yes, Martha. If we told them what we were forced to do to escape, we'd have to reveal that our own niece and nephew were poisonous, murderers. We don't want to disgrace the family name, Louise. Oh, no, Martha. Of course not. Oh, look, look, Martha, look. The roof is beginning to blow. Two minutes later, the fire company arrived to find Martha and Louise in the garden, staring at the roaring fire which had been their home. It was too late to save the other occupants of the house, so the men were forced to stand by helplessly and watch it burn. Good morning, Judge Smith. Good morning, Miss Martha, Miss Louise. I trust you're well after that terrible ordeal last night. We're much better, thank you, Judge. Well, now that your niece and nephew are gone, we must plan for your future. Oh, you don't have to bother, Judge. All we want to do is move back to our old house, hire a few servants, and live as we used to. 
Oh, and I was wondering if you could arrange to have Mary Thompson come live with us. I won't hear of her going to that dreadful home for the infirm. Oh, no. It would be the death of her. Ladies, I'd hoped I'd never have to reveal the truth to you, but now it appears I must. I don't understand, Judge. Last month, the bonds in the trust fund your father left you became utterly worthless. What? Your nephew and niece were afraid the shock of learning you were penniless would kill you. So it was decided to keep the news from you. That's why the three of us persuaded you to move in with them. Your house here in the village had to be sold to meet debts of the estate. But that can't be. Father left us so much. It's all worthless now. Perhaps I should have told you this a month ago. But your niece and nephew wouldn't hear of it. In spite of the fact that they had only Roger's salary to live on, they were determined to prevent you from ever learning of your misfortune. But the... the deaths of poor Queenie and Toby. Of, of, of George Gibson. George Gibson? Yes. I'm afraid I don't understand. Surely you heard he was killed a few days ago when a tire on his car blew out and it overturned. You mean he wasn't murdered? Certainly not. Oh. Are you feeling well? Has my news been too much for you? No, no. Well, now that your niece and nephew are gone and there's no one to support you, I'm afraid there's only one thing left. One thing left? What's that? I'm sorry to say, the home for the infirm, the poor house. This is the mysterious traveler again. Have you enjoyed our little trip? Too bad about the Abbott sisters. Such nice old ladies. But then, how were they to know that poor Queenie died of cramps, not poison? After all, you can't be too careful, can you? Would you care for a sandwich? They're very delicious. I make them myself. Oh, you're getting off at the next stop. I'm sorry. Perhaps you'll join me again soon. I take this same train every week. You've just heard Chapter 9 of The Mysterious Traveler, a series of dramas of the strange and unusual brought to you each week by station WOR. In tonight's program, The House of Death, Irene Hubbard played Martha Abbott and Elizabeth Morgan played Louise Abbott. The Mysterious Traveler, written by Robert Arthur and David Cogan, is directed by Jock McGregor. Original music was played by Doc Whipple. Listen next week to a tale titled The Man Who Knew Too Much. Another tale of The Mysterious Traveler. The Mysterious Traveler is presented by WOR Mutual every Sunday at 7 over most of these stations. This is Mutual. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Thank you for listening to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. We invite you to continue the amazing audio tomorrow on Mutual with the Monday Matinee. Our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio dramas. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed every day for the world's largest curated collection of audio drama. Or find the Monday Matinee feed in your favorite podcast players. See you tomorrow at the matinee, and thanks so much for listening.
the Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. 